Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. The northern kingdom was taken captive in 722. The southern kingdom was taken into captivity in 586. So a hundred and some years later, Judah caves in. Same thing. They did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but began to adopt the same things which Israel, the northern kingdom, had introduced. You remember the kingdom was divided after Solomon, right? The Lord, verse 20, the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, gave them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them out of his sight. Bottom line, and that's very simple. Even if you are a covenant nation, even if you are the recipients of the eternal, everlasting promises of God, you still must meet the conditions of blessing or you will be cursed. There's no in-between. You're either blessed or you're cursed. If that's true for a covenant people, Israel, it's also true for a covenant-less people, which is America. We are. Amen? Look at Second Chronicles. And again, this is very clear and unmistakable in the instructions from Scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Go down to verse 19. The Lord has reiterated the promises of the Davidic covenant. The people are aware of the promises of the Abrahamic covenant and the eternal promises. And it says in verse 19, But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, you shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will uproot you from my land, which I have given you, and this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. That's the temple says, I will make it a proverb and a byword among all people. As for this house which was exalted, everyone who passed by it will be astonished, say, why has the Lord done this to the land and to his house? And they will say, even the strangers will know, because they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them from the land of Egypt. And they adopted other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, he's brought all this adversity on them. Again, Let me reiterate an obvious point. When Israel turned away from God, when they turned away from the word of God, when they forsook his statutes, when they forsook his commandments, and began to establish other idols, they forfeited God's blessing and ended up with the curses. Now this had been handed down to them 
back in the Torah, back in the Pentateuch, back in the books of Moses. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and listen to just two verses, 58 and verse 63. If you are not careful to observe all the words of this law which are written in this book, to fear this honored and awesome name, the Lord your God, it shall come about that as the Lord, now listen to this, delighted to bless you and multiply you, so the Lord will also delight over you to make you perish and destroy you. If you meet the conditions, God will be delighted to bless you. If you don't, he is equally delighted to curse you. What do you mean by that, Brother Bob? He's delighted in cursing people? He delighted in the sense that he finds satisfaction enduring what is consistent with his holiness. He is the same. He changeth not. It's a simple principle. You ascribe your life to the truth of God, to the word of God, and where you fall short, you repent. You seek his forgiveness. You then put yourself back into a place of blessing. Apart from a national repentance, a national brokenness, national contrition for having turned their backs on God and on his word, for living in sin, promoting sin, disdain to worship the true and living God, there is no basis upon which God would bless a people, let alone the USA. Period. Amen? Psalms 81, verse 11 and 12. But my people did not listen to me, to my voice. Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart, to walk on their own devices. If you disobey God, you will never be blessed. That's true individually, so therefore it's true collectively. And it is true nationally for America. Yeah, but Brother Bob, that's the Old Testament standard. We're under the New Covenant now. No, that's the universal standard. Again, God said, I am the Lord. I changeth not. It's pointless, really. No matter how well-intentioned to keep on saying, God bless America. God bless America. When it is crystal clear that America has no interest in meeting the conditions of being blessed. God bring America back to the truth of Scripture. That's a good prayer. God, bring America to true repentance. Pray that. That's a good prayer. But that means we as a nation have to recognize we have turned our backs on God. Two things need to happen for God to bless America again. One, we have to return to God. And two, we have to return to guilt. Recognition of guilt. We need to put this nation on a God trip and a guilt trip. Amen? Why am I saying that? What do, what do I mean? I'm saying we have to return to a true understanding of God and a true understanding of our own selves. We have to look up to God and His truth. We have to look into our fallenness, our wretchedness, our sinfulness. While we are seeing the truth of God morality or in God's morality, we have to see the truth of our immorality as a nation. We have to see how immoral we have really become. We have a long way to go, folks, to go and return to the true and living God, wouldn't you say? You want blessing? 
God said repeatedly in Leviticus, Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Jesus repeated it on the Sermon Mount. Peter repeated it in his epistle. You want blessing? Then you have to go back to the standard, the holy standard, which is the Word of God. Turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This is such a great statement. If you haven't got this highlighted or underlined in your Bible, you need to do so. Joshua chapter 1. Moses is dead. The people of Israel are ready to cross the Jordan and come into the promised land that God had given them. Verse 3 says, God says, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I'm going to give to you, just as I promised Moses from the wilderness. And this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea, toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. The Mediterranean, all the way back to the middle of the Mesopotamian Valley, Tigris and the Euphrates Valley, north to Lebanon, all the way south down to Egypt. That's exactly what God had pledged to Abraham. He reiterated that pledge to Moses. It's recorded in the books of the law. Now God reminds them as they go into the land of promise, I'm going to give this to you. Not only am I giving it to you, it says in verse 5, but nobody is going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will now be with you. I will not fail or forsake you. Nobody is going to be able to overthrow my ultimate purpose for you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. This is speaking directly to Joshua. Nobody is going to be able to withstand Joshua, who was a godly leader, that God was going to be with him. It says, Be strong and courageous. You shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. And here it comes. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. If you turn from the law of God, I guarantee you will not have success. You will not have prosperity. You will not enjoy safety, protection, or well-being. What's the key? Verse 8. Here's the key. This book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Learn it, absorb it, make it your own, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have success. Now when I'm talking about keeping the law of God, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's the Ten Commandments. Yeah, it's more than that. Without getting into because it's not subject to discussion today, the law brings conviction of your sins. It reminds you that there is a penalty. That's why there's sacrifices. When you sin and you know you broke the law, there is a penalty to be paid. That's what it means to be under the law. Okay? Is that there must be a penalty. There must be a repayment of the penalty in order to fulfill the requirements of the law, there has to be a sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. He is our penalty. Amen. That's why we don't have to be under the law anymore. Amen. 
These principles haven't changed, folks. If America wants success, if Americans want prosperity, if America wants well-being, safety, protection, all of these things that are all bound up in this particular area, then the standard is already established. Go back to the law of God and meet the God of the law. Amen. I mean, it's obvious. We have God in our salute. We have God on our coins. We have God in our songs. We just don't have God in our minds or our hearts as a nation. And this is a serious situation. Because if we have turned so seriously against God that we are far, far, far away from any kind of return. We're in a kind of desperation mode that I think is best defined by Romans chapter 1. So turn there, Romans chapter 1. I told you we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures When we finish today, there will be no doubt at all of the spiritual condition of this nation in your mind. Amen. Romans chapter 1. This is pretty shocking to people not familiar with Romans 1. Many people are not familiar with the New Testament at all. Sometimes those who are supposedly Christian are not familiar with the real intent of Romans chapter 1. But here's what you have. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Here's the key phrase. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You want to put yourself as an entity, as a corporate group of people, you want to put yourself in the worst possible condition, go ahead and suppress the truth. Just suppress the truth. Verse 19 says, That which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. God has revealed his truth into the human heart. Man is created in the image of Christ who's in the image of God. He's created like God. He's created with rational capabilities, moral capabilities, a conscience, a built it's built into the fabric of man. According to Romans chapter 2, it's the law of God written in their hearts and the attendant consciousness that that on the knowledge of that law it accuses or excuses man. So that everybody has the knowledge of God to some degree or another in his heart. It's evident. How did God make it evident? Verse 20. From the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, bring, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Nobody can stand in front of God and have any excuse for not believing in the true God, who's the creator. No one. The evidence is too massive. Every culture can look at creation and by virtue of the simple principle of cause and effect, know that there had to be a cause for this massive effect that we call the world. The problem is man suppresses the truth. Verse 21, even though they knew God because God had planted that knowledge in them, they did not honor him as God. They didn't give him thanks. They were futile, empty in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Amen. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, of birds, of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. That's a lot to absorb, I admit. But let me try and make it very simple for you. Amen? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against people who suppress the truth. 
The knowledge of God's in the human heart. It's very part of being human. God has, He has given you physical senses, the five physical senses. He has given you spiritual senses and a rational mind so that you can reason from effect back to cause, back to cause, till finally you come all the way back to the ultimate cause. And your mind demands that there be a creator God who has the capacity to create not only a material universe, but a spiritual universe, who has the capacity to think and to reason and relate the way humans do. The greater cannot come from the lesser. Clearly, God is revealed, and certainly beyond his revelation in the physical world, he has revealed himself in written scripture. Amen. America, we not only have that physical revelation, that theologians call natural revelation. We have special revelation, verbal revelation. The scripture, our country has always had the word of God. From the days of the pilgrims to now, the word of God has been in this land. Our problem is, when we knew God, we did not glorify him as God. We've taken God out, forced him out, in the name of political correctness, in the name of conventional wisdom, in the name of tolerance. You hear that a lot today. Tolerance. In the name of not offending somebody. And in so doing, we've blasphemed God, the Creator. We don't honor Him. Verse 21. We don't give Him thanks. We're empty in our, de- our ideas. We're empty in our foolish hearts are darkened. We think we're smart. The Bible says we're, we're actually moreno. The Greek word from which we get morons. So we Americans are morons. Worshipping dolphins or turtles or spotted owls or the, any new religion that comes along, echo feminism or homosexuality, whatever bizarre kind of idolatry we can concoct in the place of the true God, or just worshipping money, power, prestige, worshipping our own physical bodies, whatever it is, it's in place of worshipping God. Amen? I hope I'm making somebody angry out there. I'm hoping you're getting so mad that you're going to look these scriptures up yourself. Because that means the Holy Spirit's at work. Amen? That's the problem in America. It's not just us. It's everybody. Acts chapter 14 says, God has allowed all the nations to go their own way. Oh, that's the whole story of the world. Every nation goes their own way. People are born. They know God exists. God is part of the fabric of their very being. They know God through the law written in their hearts. They can know him through reason. They can be responding to the revelation through their own conscience. The knowledge of God is there. Every society suppresses that because of the fallenness, because of wickedness, because of blindness, because of love of iniquity. They crush the knowledge of God. They crush it lower and lower and lower until it disappears out of their sight. And when that happens, it turns loose the wrath of God. Amen. Now go back to verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed against all who do this. Every once in a while I hear a supposedly well-intentioned and hopeful preacher say, We're on the brink of a great revival in America. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't see what they're looking at. I don't know why or how they would ever come to that conclusion. I believe America is currently experiencing the beginning birth pangs of the wrath of God. The wrath of God is the general reality in our nation right now. From corrupt 
political leaders who do everything they can to dismiss God from the president on down. Oh, I know there's some Christians fighting for what's right in government, but far too few to even affect a minority representation, let alone gain a majority. And if these Christians were ever to gain a majority, there have been enough laws passed in this nation promoting immoral values and lifestyles that the battle will be long and hard to try and get these immoral laws overturned. So basically, this nation is cursed. It is doomed and not blessed. Am I saying it was an act of God's wrath to allow terrorists to kill people on 9-11 or at Fort Hood, the two Fort Hood shootings or in those schools? I don't know why God does what he does or allows what he does. We've already said that. I do know that for some of the people that died in those attacks, they were catapulted immediately into eternal wrath. I also know that there were some believers who were taken immediately into glory. God may have many purposes in what he does. And I'm not talking about any isolated incident. What I'm telling you is though we're looking at it on a national level, I believe America is experiencing the wrath of God. And I think you'll see that here because the wrath of God is defined for us in verse 24, The well, actually verses 24 and following, and it is very specific. The wrath of God, verse 18, is revealed. Then it tells against what it is that it's revealed. Go down to verse 24. God gave them over. Verse 26, God gave them over. Verse 28, the middle of the verse, God gave them over. That's an interesting phrase. God gave them over, or another way of saying it, God gave them up. And another way to say it, God abandoned them. That's a fascinating statement. There are, as I would count them, five forms of God's wrath that I've been studying. First is eternal wrath. That's the everlasting punishment in hell. That's one form of God's wrath. It's not in view here. Second, there will be what we call eschatological wrath. That's the wrath of God that unfolds at the end of the age during the time of the Great Tribulation when the wrath of God is poured out on the earth and all these things that are described in the book of Revelation takes place. That is a future wrath. Not now. Thirdly, there is a cataclysmic wrath. That's the wrath of God that comes on cities like Sodom and Gomorrah. When God destroys those cities and the cities of the plain, when God destroys Bethesda, Chorazin, Capernaum in the New Testament, there is that cataclysmic wrath that falls on Pompeii or through some massive disaster brings about the death of tens of thousands of people. Cataclysmic expressions of God's wrath often on cultures that have found themselves in this position having rejected the knowledge of God. You see this taking place frequently in Islamic countries. Earthquakes, floods, tsunamis, you name it. They've been experiencing them a lot in the past few years. The more they try to spread Islam in the earth, the more they go on massive campaigns of killing Christians, the more God's wrath is poured out on them. There is, fourthly, what I call natural wrath. God has built into the fabric of human life consequences for sin. Some of that consequences is natural. If you sin against your body by becoming an alcoholic, the natural effect, the natural wrath 
that works could be called cirrhosis of the liver. Uh, cirrhosis of the liver. If you sin in a life of immorality, you get involved in homosexuality or promiscuous sexuality, you wind up with a sexually transmitted disease or AIDS. And that's a built-in act of wrath. If you are continuously overeating, you get diabetes. That's the sowing and reaping principle. We're not talking about eternal wrath here. We're not talking about eschatological wrath, catechismic wrath, or natural wrath. There is a fifth kind of wrath. It's the wrath, what I call the wrath of abandonment. The wrath of abandonment. And that's a frightening thing. This is when you've reached a stage where God just gives up on you. He steps back and says, just let him go. Let him go. No more restraining grace. Just turn them over. They want their sin, let them go. We know this is going to happen in its consummate form in the time of the tribulation when the restrainer is removed. Remember, the Holy Spirit and hell belches forth the previously bound demons and all the demons of the universe come down to earth and aid the Antichrist and his efforts to finally conquer the world and beat the kingdom of God. But we get a foretaste of that. We get previews of that as nations turn against God and God gives up on them. This is the wrath of abandonment that's true in the Old Testament. In Judges chapter 16, Samson found a Philistine woman by the name of Delilah. You remember the story. She seduced Samson. So he told her that his strength was connected to his Nazarite vow, which had to do with his hair. She made him, according to Judges 16, verse 19, sleep on her knees. Then she called for a man and had him cut off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him somehow, not in some severe sense, but to jostle him, and his strength left him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I'll go out as other times and shake myself free. For he had defeated the Philistines on many occasions, by the thousands. He defeated them single-handedly. So he said, I'll go out as other times. Verse 20. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Wow. Think about that verse. When the Philistines came, they seized him. They gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza. Bound him with bronze chains, and he was like a mule, grinding in a prison, grinding grain in a prison. For God had left him. Samson did not even know it. He thought God was still with him. That he would go on us at other times and defeat his enemies. But God had turned Samson over to the consequences of his choices. Judges chapter 10, verse 13 and 14, it says, speaking of Israel, Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore I will deliver you no more. I'm done with you. I'm not going to rescue you. I'm not going to protect you. Verse 14 says, God, and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. You've chosen your gods. Let them deliver you in the time of your distress. You leave me, I leave you. Proverbs uh, chapter 1. Because I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. You neglected all my counsel. You did not want my, re my reproof. I will even laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity like a whirlwind and distress and anguish comes upon you. Then they will call on me. But I will not answer. Is that America? Are we saying 
futilely against a, a bronzed over vaultist guy. God bless America. And God's not going to answer. Why? Because they hated knowledge. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. They will seek me diligently. They will not find me. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satisfied with their own devices. I'm letting them go. They can have the meal they cooked. That's basically what he's saying. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time when we gather together around the word of god be blessed and remember we serve an awesome god lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details